I'm like, I wish you'd have spoken to me before you did that. I know you have to get it out of your system, and I definitely done it. But our advice to those younger business owners would be, be as unmaterialistic as you can be and invest back into yourself as much as possible. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Founder Stories. I'm super excited today to have Elizabeth Hoff with me in, I was going to say the studio, but in the dining room. <laughs> she is a world famous and well-renowned photographer and I can't wait to dig into her story. What separates her from the probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other photographers around the world? How has she become so successful, so unique uh, in the marketplace? So with no further ado, welcome to the episode. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I just want to start with getting straight into it, actually, rather than easing our way in. What separates you from other photographers? And there are probably millions of struggling photographers around the world. You know, not all of them have necessarily the same level of natural talent, if you think it's natural talent, but what do you think separates you where you're at right now from aspiring photographers who are just struggling to make a living? I don't know is the honest answer, <laughs> but you know, I just do my thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get very hung up on competition and obstacles. And I'm very, very uh, focused on ignoring those things. Okay. And I, I think that mindset is actually comes above everything. Yeah. You know, not taking rejection personally. Okay. Being open to opportunity, yeah. being flexible. But then at the same time, you've got clear goals of where you want to go and what you yeah. want to achieve. So you're but, ambitious, but you recognize that it's not going to be easy. Yeah. And I think through schooling, um, as good as the education system is, you know, I'm a creative. I work yeah. in a creative environment. And um, there was some research that just came out in the Telegraph, actually, I was reading a month or so ago. And photography degree is the worst paid degree five years after graduating. Really? Yeah. And, you know, you know, what are the reasons for that? Because all businesses need imagery now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I've now, I was a photographer when I started out. Then I became a director and I now call myself an image maker. Um, sounds a bit poncy probably, but it's about kind of opening up. Yeah. You know, I create imagery for people yeah. and I can create stills and moving image and GIFs. And now AI is coming in. I'm trying to learn that. Yeah. And this thing of being open to opportunity because it's so easy when you start on film like I did 20 yeah. years ago yeah. to then digital comes in and you go oh that's a massive threat yeah. you know but I'm a photographer on film and then you get stuck there and I was like okay digital's in right let's try and embrace that yeah. and then that was going very well and I realized that if I didn't take on moving image you know when I started the only businesses using moving image were big, big brands that could pay for TV advertising. And then, of course, everybody gets their own website and their own uh, social media. And yeah. everybody wants moving imagery yeah, because yeah. actually the click rate on moving imagery yeah. is higher than stills. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, when you accept all of that and go, okay, well, I'll just try and tick that, you know, add that to my list of capabilities, it sort of worked. Yeah. Um, 
But I also am a creative. I have a lot of ideas and I believe in following those ideas. So I sort of follow my nose. So when I'm not being paid by clients to create imagery, I'm always creating something for myself to keep inspired and also to keep showcasing what I can do when I haven't got um, a client. Yeah. So whether it's telling a story, I did um, a shoot, underwater shoot, where the animals were replaced by plastic, you know, and I I partnered with the Marine Conservation Society and then we did a PR campaign around uh, the Great British Beach Clean. So getting them PR for people to get engaged helping with that. And it was very successful. And it's made you can actually use creative ideas um, uh, for important messagery um, and to tell stories as well, obviously, that are not just for selling goods, which is what I do most of the time. So do you think, I think from that, I would take that you think big, you're willing to work hard, you know it's going to be a long journey with ups and downs, but also be true to yourself and follow your own creative vision. Don't think of yourself as a resource to be used by companies under their direction, have your own ideas as well. Yeah. Do you, I know you're probably not going to admit to this because it would <laughs> maybe in your eyes make you seem arrogant or too confident, but there has to be an element of like with an artist, there's an underlying level of natural talent, right? My dad was a photographer for 30 years. I used to go with him. I think we spoke about this when we first met. I used to go with him and do black and white candid photography at weddings, which I loved. I love photography. I still love photography. I just only get the chance when I'm away with the Well, that's not true, but I, I think of my photography time as when I go away somewhere new and I'll take my camera. And now it's so easy to take my phone and with the kids and all these things, it becomes very difficult. But I think with him, he definitely had these limiting beliefs, which stopped him from achieving more. But I think I've never really seen an image of his that elevates itself to the level of yours. So there has to be a differential in natural talent and ability. Do you think that's true? Or do you think that some of the images that you create, I was showing my wife uh, yesterday and this morning, just the lighting, the concept, I would have no idea. And I have read probably 2000 photography magazines and was so into it. I would have no idea from a technical perspective how you even created that image. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah, so do you... Does that just come to you or have you studied and studied your craft? Did you look at another photographer and try and deconstruct an image and say, well, where did he place the lights? What was the aperture? What's the shutter speed? You know, from a technical perspective, how do you turn your vision into a reality? So when I started, I had these visions of what I want to create. And I was inspired by Annie Leibovitz and Mara Testino and uh, Stephen Klein and these amazing high-end photographers. Um, And, you know, I look back at my my journey uh, and I'd have these ideas and go, it can't be that hard. And then I'd get the results back. And of course they were absolutely awful. So the answer is no, I did not know how to do that. But then if you keep going, you know, it's those, um, it's like in life when you, all those micro decisions on all those different levels, all when they all come together, you get there eventually, but you have to put the time in, right? And you right. have to be able to 
deal with the fact that you're not getting those amazing results immediately. So I guess it is, I always knew what I wanted to create. And over the years, my vision and the actual imagery has got closer and closer, which is nice. Is that from self-study or did you at the start seek out mentors, ask people questions, be annoying around other photographers by trying to dig into how they've achieved the result. Yeah. Like, how did you actually- All of learn? it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. being annoying, yeah. probably. <laughs> no, but asking Which questions. Which is a common trait though. Asking yeah. questions, yeah. Uh, you know, studying myself, reading whatever I could, um, finding out who the people are they work with, you yeah. know, and then talking to the retouchers of some, you know, even yeah. they can give me, you know, how they use the color and the profiles, going to the lighting companies and talking to the people who rent the lighting to yeah. other people, you know, what are they using? Because sometimes um, you can see now there's behind the scenes almost from every photo shoot, you know, mm -hmm. you look at um, different photographers and you will see what lights they've got and you yeah. can kind of figure it out. When I started, there was none of that. Yeah. So um, yeah, just using any kind of opportunity to, to dig into it. But I also started, you know, shooting anything that yeah. I could. So I didn't start with the clients that I wanted to shoot for. And yeah. it's accepting that, it that you know, hopefully I'll get there one day. Yeah, so you have a vision, but it's not necessarily yeah. time bound. No, exactly. Yeah. And it's also just joy of doing it. Yeah. You know, and I think with any business or any creative art that you want to do, if you just enjoy every day, yeah. it's like it kind of presents itself to you slowly but surely. Yeah, I believe that. And um, it can come, actually, we were talking about this in the kitchen. From my perspective, it can come in year 10 or 11 or 12. Yeah. It will come. It's just a question, I guess, of how many people are willing to stick it out in the meantime. But I think also, you know, um, it's the realization that getting to your goal actually is shouldn't be the, the, the end result. Yeah. And what I realized about three or four years in, I, one of my goals was to have an image in the National Portrait Gallery. And I did this shoot of Sienna Miller. And it ended up in the National Portrait Gallery as part of a, uh, an exhibition on, on women. Yeah. And I went to this show and saw my picture hanging there. And I was like, that's really great. Um, and the high of that lasted for about two hours. Yeah. And then it was like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, and it's yeah. realizing yeah. that these goals that we set ourselves, which are all about the future, if that's all you're about, you're missing out on life. You yeah. really are because actually life is right now yeah. and the fun bit is right now. Yeah. And moving towards those goals is amazing. But as soon as you've achieved it, you're on to the next. That's how human nature works. Yeah, so you've got to take some pleasure in the journey. We spoke about this because we, yeah. we met through Tony Robbins and he's very driven on organization. He has his RPM planning system, which I used for about eight or nine years. Mm. Until I realized it doesn't, well, the way I used it, so it's not maybe the system, but my interpretation of it. If you're having a to-do list, always working to your goals, filling out 40 hours a week with planned work, you're never leaving yourself for any expression of creative freedom or just sitting and thinking and letting ideas come to you. And that's where you'll make real progress, I think. And actually, the, the older I get and the more experienced I get, the more I'm about the fun. Yeah. You know, and actually at home as well with my kids, like just 
you know, this this whole thing about the heaviness of expectation and mm. and it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't help anybody. Mm. You achieve better when you're joyful and when you've taken some time out and yeah. you're deserving of that time out yeah. and you have a nice breakfast. Um, and actually, one of the things I do with my kids now, which has been... Um, I think very successful and it's such an easy thing is I have um, I have a little notebook next to their breakfast every morning and I ask them three questions. It's like, you know, people talk about a morning routine. Yeah. Again, a morning routine shouldn't be like a slave thing, right? Yeah. People get up and they're like, my morning yeah, routine is... Yeah, I used to is, do 60 uh, minutes of different things yes. at 4.30 in the morning. Okay. This is only three or four years ago. And was you know? that fun? No, it was, it was horrible. I used to go out in, the, after I went to Business Mastery and I saw Tony bouncing on something backstage, I remember going out at 4.45. I was living at my parents' house at the time before we were bought, this, this house was being built and bouncing on a mini trampoline in the rain at 4.45 in the morning because I thought that that would help my productivity yeah. and get me to my goals faster. Yeah, sorry. So you asked three questions. No, so we said, I just asked three questions. I say, I do every day is different, but I'll go like, what are three things that are great about today? Yeah. Or what do you love about your life? Or what's going to be fun at school today? Yeah. And sometimes my son goes, nothing's fun about school, but he'll drag out something. Yeah. And I can see the kind of just, it's so easy and it's so quick, but it's just like a little shift of mindset, you yeah, know, like bringing it. In. Yes. So obviously it's, uh, and I, you know, in answer to your question right at the beginning, that's it. You know, um, it's about getting out of the slavery, yeah. but then having the enjoyment of what you're doing and then looking for opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, how can businesses use my skills? And I will proactively approach them going, yeah. I've done like with the Marine Conservation Society, I've done yeah. a shoot on plastics. Shall we, do, would you like to use it for something? Yeah. They're a charity and they said, yes, please. Yeah. Um, and then I'll do shoots, like I did a fashion shoot with a girl um, in a house on her own. I called it Wallflower. I was just taking on, this was just came to me, just the concept of being on your own. And that world, word Wallflower is, is known for a woman standing on the side of the room, you know, known for being shy, not wanting to take part. And I was like, let's flip it on its head. Maybe she's the most empowered person in the room. Yeah. You know, she's happy to be on her own. She doesn't need anybody's approval. So I did a fashion shoot on that, but I lit it in a very, very cinematic way to showcase my skills around storytelling. Yeah. And then um, took it to like Sky and Netflix and the creatives there. And I've now shot a few, you know, a few times for them. And it's like, how can I use my creative idea, but then also show other people my skills? And then how can that be translated into... That, that, that shows um, such confidence that most people in the gaps between work will be seeking out work or sitting, worrying, waiting about work to come in. Whereas you, you've said it's okay, work will come. I'll work on my own creative project in the yeah. meantime and back myself yeah. that someone will want that. Where do you think that came from? Well, it's very conscious because when okay. I started out as a freelancer, I spent a lot of time in that worried space. You know, okay. it gets quiet and you go, oh shit, where's the next job coming from? Yeah. You know, and then 
I adopted, and I know all of this sounds very cheesy, but I adopted um, this expression, the universe gives me what I need. So I was like, okay, I'm going to embrace that. So right now, thank you, universe. Um, my, you know, the money's not coming in, but you've given me some space to do something. Yeah. So I'll do some marketing with that space because I always try and keep that going the whole time because yeah. you've got to keep reaching out. Yeah. But then the rest of the, I can't do that all day. Yeah. So the, the rest of the day I go, I'm going to, I'm going to see what ideas come up and I'm going to develop something. I'm going to develop a concept. Um, and I do, I do sometimes wonder where inspiration comes from. I mean, that is an interesting thing. Yeah. It's so random, isn't it? Like we were speaking this morning and I said, I've been struggling with something for two years and I literally was in the shower and got the answer. Yeah, and it often comes when you take the pressure off yourself. Yeah. And I think even just the statement, the universe gives me what I need, takes pressure off me. Yeah, yeah. Because suddenly I'm like, okay, and then I'll just, an idea will pop in my head, and then I'll create it. And then I'll start creating it. And it gives me a purpose. So mm. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do a shoot with black and white polka dots and... Um, semi-naked women and I'll sell it as limited edition And what's prints. funny is while you're doing that, <laughs> you'll probably have inquiries that if you believe in those things, wouldn't have come in otherwise if you just sat there and looked at your inbox, you know? No, absolutely. And when I started out, it is about confidence in your own yeah. vision. And what I learned when I started doing my own ideas is I didn't have that confidence. So I'd get here, you know, I work with teams of people like hair and makeup artists and stylists, and I often get them involved in my own concept, my own idea. So yeah. I've sold them that idea. And then I'll go, well, do you fancy working on this with me? And then they'll say yes. And then in the beginning, I'd go, well, this is what I want to do, but you know, you're helping me. So uh, I think they needed to contribute as well with yeah. their ideas. And I go, I'll let you do your thing. So after a few times, I realized, Yes, you can let them do the thing, but you can't just not communicate what you want. Yeah. So um, now I'm very like, I go, I want to create this and I want it to look like this and I want this kind of dress yeah. and this kind of color and this kind of shape, you know, and it gets very specific. And then I'll go, but if you see something that you're just super inspired by, bring it along as well. Yeah. So I'm trying to leave some space for that moment yeah. and sometimes that works amazingly yeah. you know i'm not always right in my vision but i do have the solution i always wanted that i did did envisage to start with yeah. and sometimes i'll tweak it on the day but um yeah it's being very i guess you have confident in my own vision and voice yeah. uh, and i think we all have that vision and voice because it's what we truly want to do and it's what lights us up and mm -hmm you should tune into it and believe it. Yeah, and I feel like you have that authentically, but there are lots of people out there now speaking really loudly, but I don't believe they are actually confident in their abilities. They are really confident when it comes across on social media. And that has brought them a lot of financial success in the short term, but I believe underneath it, they don't necessarily really yeah. believe what they're saying and that's what's so confusing about human language and these concepts um and i had an epiphany um a little while ago as well that you know although i'm confident in what i want i don't need to be right 
Yeah. A lot of those people are right about everything. Yeah. And again, it becomes a restrictive box. Mm. And then you become a preacher. Yeah. And then, you know, that's very simple for the mind to grasp that our, our brains like black and white thinking yeah. and they like putting things into boxes. And therefore, a lot of people who put everything into a very simple structured box get lots of following yeah. on a theme, you know, or and then they stick to it. Yeah. But it's not... Um, it's not necessarily the whole answer, right? And it's not the whole picture. Yeah. And um, therefore, social media media is radicalizing us because we end up having to pick like these extreme kind of solutions. Yeah. And um, I'm very wary of black and white thinking mm -hmm. because the world is gray. And, you know, once we start putting things in very clear boxes of right and wrong and good and bad, we yeah. can't see shades. And that's what prejudice is. Mm. Prejudice is of all kinds, whether it's against certain types of people or your sex yeah. or, you know, it's black and white thinking. It's like we want to label everything in that box with the same brush. Yeah. But of course, there's nuances in everything. And I guess that's the same as I would normally ask these questions and they would be answered with, well, I did X, Y, and Z. But I think the learning here for our viewers or listeners is that you don't necessarily know how you will achieve your vision, if you'll achieve your vision, or how long it will take, or how you're going to get there. But you just need to enjoy the process, find true inner confidence, however you do that, understand it will be a journey, keep getting back up when you get knocked down. And I, I, I can't remember what the quote was, but it was something like, if people, I don't know where I saw this either, but if people just loved more and came from a place of love, everything would be so much easier, okay. which is true because you have to have, I guess, as a startup business owner, love for yourself and be kind to yourself in order to succeed? Well, I think so many of the blocks, and I can hear the words that are coming out of your mouth and go, I've been thinking of a listener listening to this conversation. They go, well, there's no structure there. It's really confusing, you know, but, and also just turning on his head. I read a quote the other day where it's like, if you've got no destination, you're not lost, yeah. you know? And um, the thing is, if you can get the concept that, if you can just soften the whole thing, um, a lot of the problems come from the resistance we're putting in place to the fact that we're not getting where we want to go. Yeah, yeah. And that includes conflict between, you know, like parents and their teenagers, for example. It's like, you're not behaving the way I want you to do. Yeah. It's not it's not necessarily the teenager's behavior it's the problem, it's your expectation of it. Yeah. So I want to do this in my career, my expectation is this, and therefore as soon as that client has said no, it's a disaster, yeah, you, you know? So um, if you go, okay, so that client said no, what can I learn from it? Yeah. What other client is similar to that? Yeah. How can I can get back round to that client? Yeah. Can I find another route? And um, you know, a lot of the shoots I've done in in, uh, in the past and I continue to do, sometimes I go, why did I say yes to that? 
you know, I didn't get particularly well paid yeah. or it was a slight famous face and I thought it might be interesting. And then I go, oh, the concept, don't really like it, you know, but I'm just going to try and bring my best. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're the most wonderful shoots, actually. And yeah. you get a great picture when I didn't think I was going to get one. And um, and then they create an opportunity in the future. Um, yeah, and so I've had that again and again. Even if, be open to doing things, even if there's no clear link to your perceived plan or your goals exactly and if you then approach every opportunity to go i'm just going to make the absolute most of this yeah, yeah. and make it as best as i can with the limitations i've got yeah sometimes just magic happens yeah do you know that's so true i was at the gym this morning at 5 45 training legs as you do <laughs> and there was a girl in there who'd obviously been hired to go around, make sure the equipment's working well, clean, you know, general morning routines at this gym, which is really well kept, but she just looks so miserable. Mm. And if you flip that on its head and had the approach that you've just been through, she could be walking around, smiling, interacting with people who are there. Hey, how you doing? What's your name? Da, 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 da. Um, I bet you within a week, she'd probably meet someone in that gym who offer her an opportunity or give her some kind of learning which could change her life. But her attitude is closing her off from all opportunity. So I had a talk to a local grammar school last week to the A-level students there um, because they were looking for people from a creative background to come in and speak to them. Yeah. And uh, I, sh I took them through my work and my journey and everything. And one of the first questions I got at the end, which was the question time, was, oh, but isn't it really hard now, you know, as a photographer, you know, and we now with the digital and, you know, there's so much competition for us. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that just sums it up, doesn't it? You know, you haven't... Um, and I can answer those questions, yeah. but if that's what you're looking for yeah. from me, that your mindset is looking for all the problems why you can't have a, that career, yeah. guess where you're going, you know? Yeah, Whereas, and, and, um, and I have had the sum total of one student phone me up in the last year. I said to them, um, all the anybody who's phoned me and yeah. asked for to come on a shoot in the last year has come with me yeah. um, and that is because only one person did <laughs> you know but yeah. the, the the lack of proactivity is quite impressive because apparently yeah, there are impressive. thousands of young children young kids wanting to be photographers and image makers and apparently really working super super hard and being yeah. resourceful and but there being, are not many not. proactive ones i find that such a commonality with business owners that get to a certain point you know maybe it's the upper end of the basic rate band in terms of their income and they struggle to get further and if you speak to them it's just self-limiting belief after self-limiting belief, excuse after excuse, yeah. market conditions. I mean, I don't watch the news or read the newspaper. I said I was going to when I turned 40, just so I had something else to talk to my wife about other than uh, work and the gym. It hasn't happened yet, but um, it was because I just felt externalities had no impact on me. I had where I wanted to go. I had my full belief and mindset that I could achieve it. And I just want to say that I, for me, and probably the same for you, it's not like I'm like this every day. I have 
struggles, confidence issues, times where I don't believe I'm as good as other people, especially now creating online content. I'm older, 40 now. Most of my Ooh. friends, well, I only, only really have two friends because I've sacrificed <laughs> friends to develop my business. But these two friends are, I think, 32, 31, 32. So they're younger, they understand it. They're making TikToks, they're dancing. Well, he's not dancing around, but they're very creative. And I'm not like that. So you do find areas where you will lack confidence and you'll take a hit and things like that. But you just have to come back from it. Find your groove again, I think. Well, to me, it's um, this again. I love a bit of philosophy, but understanding and accepting your humanity, like everybody again human nature is like i'm so special i'm different oh it's so tough for me it's like get over yourself everybody has this and absolutely last sunday i was completely exhausted Mm. because i had some huge shoots and you know juggling kids and everything and um my husband just looked at me and went i think you just need a break And I said, I think you're right. And I went to bed and watched a movie at two o'clock in the afternoon and took three hours break, you know, and I was not feeling my best and I was not feeling super confident. And, um, you know, it's everybody, we're all human, you know, and we have lack of sleep and we're hungry and we've got these bodies that actually are incredibly sensitive. And um, you have to sort of love it all. And then once you give space for your humanity and your vulnerability, and like, it's okay, it's um, this thing of once you butt against it and try and fight it, that's when you get into trouble yeah. because it doesn't go away because you're human, right? So once you give it some space and kind of like, and that's again, accepting, accepting that everybody gets rejected. Everybody has loss. Everybody has heartbreak. Everybody gets super hungry. Everybody gets grumpy. You know, it's like, yeah. it's okay. And and that's how I get through it. And that's, I think, how I get more confident as I get older. I can feel that, you know, because I've got a bit of empathy for myself. Yeah, I think that, that what, why I love doing these podcasts is what we've spoken about so far is nothing to do with, with what I thought we would speak about. But actually... <laughs> so useful and so powerful for people on a different level than just offering practical tips and advice. Um, I can give practical tips. No, no, I, I think that it's like <laughs> the kind of podcast that if I listened to it and I was a business owner, I would go back and listen to it three or four times because there's so much in there, you really need to take the time to actually understand it and how it yeah. applies to you, not just listen to it and then move on. Yeah, you talked about something as well just a few uh, conversations ago, uh, or subject, and that was about creating your limiting beliefs and your boxes, right? Yeah, yeah. And this thing about being comfortable, you know, if you can get comfortable with the concept of getting out of your comfort zone, yeah. and that a lot about is about you know once you start butting up against your humanity, your vulnerability, and you get yeah. stuck there, you create this box just to make yourself feel better. So you go, oh, you know, market conditions, or, oh, you know, I'm a female photographer, I'm now 50. 
I can't make it, mm -hmm. you know, I'm too old, yeah. or I'm a female, or, you know, we all just have our stories. Yeah. I was talking to some, some guy yesterday in a, during a, a, my, my son's painting session who's put on lots of weight, and he was like, in Maidenhead, there's no place to get healthy food. And, and you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, no, I'm not going to tell you that there is, yeah. but it was like observing the narrative that he had created. Yeah. And then I try and observe my own narrative, you know, and I try and accept it and then question it. You know, it's like, why, how is it possible that a five foot eight female can walk into a room and be terrified by a mouse. Mm. Now, apparently that's acceptable behavior. To me, it's not, and it never has been. And I will not be screaming standing on a chair because I think it's unempowering. Mm. Um, and I won't be doing that with a spider either. You know, I'm above, you know, that sounds arrogant, but I'm going to question that behavior and I'm going to say, is it the way I want to behave? No, yeah. um, because I'm stronger than that. And the mouse deserves a break, you know? And if you do the things, it's kind of linked back to one person only taking up the massive opportunity of being able to come on a shoot with you because they're probably afraid and they think that you're just saying that because you're just saying it. Mm. Actually, if they said every single day as a business owner, do something that you're really scared of because those are the things that actually are gonna move you forward. Yeah, so I actually try, when I do do my to-do list, I yeah. usually try and upgrade the thing that makes me most uncomfortable and try yeah. and get it done. First. First. Yeah. Because it's so easy to tick off the pay the bill, yeah. post the thing. And then you're like patting yourself on the back going, oh, I did all those menial tasks. I've got them off my to-do list. Mm -hmm. But actually that horrible one, like phone up the guy who hasn't paid your bill. Yeah. Uh, that Yeah, that's sitting there like a sort of festering boil. Yeah, right? get that done. But then also if you're <laughs> growing, it'll be something like, what did I do that I was scared of today that could potentially lead to an opportunity? Who did I reach out to? Absolutely. What work did I create myself that I could pitch for someone and be vulnerable in, in them potentially yeah. saying, no, what did I do today? Yeah, and I'm a big believer. If you've got had an uncomfortable conversation with somebody or um, something that doesn't feel right, I always try and tackle it head on. Yeah. You know, phone them up. Yeah. Ask them, ask them for feedback. Yeah. You know, why do you think that happened? Um, how are you feeling about that? Yeah. Is there, and I'm sorry that you feel like that, you know, is there any way we can make it better? And, and, and by doing that, I think karma or whatever, but, but, you know, always trying to have resolved every, we're talking in a, from a business point of view and personal, yeah. but yeah. in business, it's really important. You know, you fall out with a supplier or create some kind of tension. Mm -hmm. It's not good no. because people talk and you want to try and make sure that everybody is resolved. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have conflict at some point, without a doubt. Let's go back to the start. What's your earliest memory of enjoying taking a picture, creating an image? Earliest memory of taking a picture was when I was about eight years old. And my dad um, is a massive 
photographer of just life. We were traveling around the world at that point and uh, he was always taking pictures and he lent me his camera for half an hour and it was in the garden in New Zealand. It was in a friend's garden and there was the moon and there was a palm tree and I, I could see what I wanted to create. And I took these pictures and it was film. And when they came back, I was so disappointed because it didn't look anything like the ones I wanted to take. And I remember just dismissing it like, oh, I can't do that. Mm. It's it's not going to happen. And I've got a few memories of photography that kind of go with me a bit like that until... Um, I studied marine biology. I didn't study photography. Um, I I studied marine biology. Actually, as I was re-researching you on your bio. But what I always believed was that I was going to follow my gut, and I wanted to have a job that I loved. Yeah. Um, And I just came back to what do I love? I kept coming back to it, and I was like, I love photography, but I can't do that. And it wasn't until my mid-20s when I graduated marine biology, I'd moved to London because I always wanted to live in London. And people used to go, why do you want to live in London? I said, I don't know. But I think when I find what I want to do, it'll be perfect. Yeah, I had that too. You know, I went to London when I started post-university and went to KPMG. It's just a thing for me. I didn't really know if people asked me, why did you want to go to London? It's just the big city and you want to experience it while you're young and free and all and it's full things. of opportunity yeah right? yeah yeah i kind of felt like you can do anything in london yeah and then i started i worked actually in the city for two years and i did an evening course in photography okay. and the way i knew i wanted to be a photographer was because at my job I was planning the whole day around meal times. So I come in and I'll be like, when can I have a cup of tea? Yeah. When can I have lunch? And when can I go to the pub? Yeah. Because I hated it yeah. and I sort of knew that. And then photography, I'd go to the course and I'd just get lost. Yeah. But I still didn't think I could do it. And it took me another two years before I was like, oh, I'm just gonna follow my dream. And then what was that next step from course job did you keep working and then you know who was your first client how did that sort of transition well i as i said getting out of your comfort zone i really believe that and i've just followed things that have sort of spoken to me and um i grew up sailing around the world and i was working in the city bored thinking about my next meal and i decided i was going to be the first woman to row solo across the atlantic because i thought that sounded exciting so I quit my job and I trained for it and I attempted that in 1998 which is a long time ago now um, and I failed massively because I capsized I'm summarizing quickly here but I capsized I could have lost my life and when I came back I was like well that wasn't brilliant um, it was a great experience yeah. but it completely changed my perspective on the photography thing I was like, that's what I want to do. So I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And then I just haven't looked back since. Wow. Yeah. This, we, I mean, we could literally do a whole podcast on the <laughs> rowing across the Atlantic. I'm going to try my best to stay on topic. Yes. So then I started assisting photographers, actually. Okay. And there's this thing of learning from people who do what you want to do and who are successful at it is very different yeah. than studying it. But you're not getting paid at this point, right? No. 
But so I, some know, people might say, amounts. okay, well, did you have a rich family? Like how I, I wouldn't be able to survive not getting paid and going and doing those things. Yeah. What would you say to those people? I would say that, again, that some of that- just a limiting belief, really. Well, some of it's truth yeah. and some of it's limiting belief, right? Um, and it's this thing of throwing throwing yourself into something yeah. and the universe often gives you opportunities. Because if you really wanted to, you could go and work a night job and assist in the daytime. You really like, can. Yeah. Um, and I, I made a really good decision when I came to London um, and that was that I managed to scrape enough money together for a deposit for a flat. And yeah. I bought a flat and two years later sold it and that helped me fund a couple okay. of years of yeah. not making much money. But that was still a smart decision because you invested in an asset. Yeah. And Someone obviously gave you that advice, good advice. Well, actually, I, I came to that conclusion at uni because I was at university in Glasgow for four years. And one of my classmates at the time, his dad had lent him the money for a deposit of a house. Yeah. And I just observed him living in this house for four years um, renting out three rooms to friends, not paying rent. And I was like, I'm never going to do that again yeah. if I can help it. Yeah. So when I came to London, I absolutely did whatever I could to make sure that I bought a flat, yeah. which was the best decision I could and have made. And you didn't go and travel the world and buy material things. You used that money to live off while you were continuing to yeah. work. Yeah, and children. everything I made in photography, I put back in photography. Yeah. I did not buy Gucci trainers. Yeah. You know, I didn't go and get a massive tattoo. All these things are very expensive. Yeah, but it's true. When people nowadays, they see some sort of financial success. You know, I've had clients in the past that have got to the point where they're making 10, 15, 20K a month, which is not an immaterial amount, but they've gone and bought a car for 200,000 pounds. Yeah. You know, or a 40,000 pound watch. Yeah. And why, why are you, why, why I'm like, I wish you'd have spoken to me before you did that. <laughs> I know you have to get it out of your system and I definitely done it, but our advice to those younger business owners would be don't, be as unmaterialistic as you can be and invest back into yourself as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's about seeing the bigger picture of your human behavior, right? Yeah, yeah. And not being reactive. So once, because we all want nice stuff. Yeah. I think it's very difficult to step out of that. Yeah, it is nice to have nice things, but yeah. I waited 12 years to go to Louis Vuitton in Paris and buy a backpack and a, a man bag, which I love. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly. <laughs> it was the experience and it was, okay, you've come to this point, but the delayed gratification was almost as nice as the purchasing of the thing. Absolutely. And then when you're purchasing the thing, it's, a very small percentage of your overall income, not yeah. something you're struggling to buy to sort of keep up with other people. Well, it's that whole thing about these, I mean, buying a watch for 40 grand is not a small decision, but it's all these small decisions yeah. that decide whether you're going to make it or not. And where you're going to trend towards right? and where you're going to end yeah, up. Because yeah, because as soon as you've spent your disposable income on Gucci trainers as a 25-year-old, rather than your next photo shoot that yeah. could have helped your folio, yeah. you're in the wrong, you're, you're spending it in the wrong area. Yeah. Um, you've got to invest in yourself. And also as a creative, you know, you've got to learn from other people who are making it. Yeah. So 
It's good to study if you want to study um, a degree. A degree. Yeah. yeah, no, I think I think there is some merit in doing that because we all need to learn the different softwares and how cameras work and yeah. lighting techniques. But the people usually teaching at the schools or universities haven't made it as working business professionals in that area. Yeah. They're not the people who are going to be able to teach you how to do that. Yeah. You're going to learn that from work experience. And I think in most creative areas, you've got to kind of think about your first few years after you're studying yeah. or instead of studying to realize you're not going to get paid much and it's a continuation of your learning. Yeah. Just like doctors come out of university and go and work in hospitals. Yeah. And there, you know, it's like an internship. It's almost like a test. And you almost need to budget for that yeah. and realize, you know, that the kids who are, who, and obviously it's really hard if you come from a family that has very little income mm -hmm. and you haven't managed to do what I did and, and find a solution to it. Yeah. Um, and then you have to do an evening job, as you said, and then, you know, assist for a while. Yeah. But if you are really focused, you can be, you can start finding those little businesses that need a TikTok maker yeah. or a film. Per I mean, there's a massive market for that now. And I'll tell you, if someone reaches out to me, which they have done on Instagram and said, really like your reels, but I think I could do something a bit special for you. My response is, more than happy to give you the raw file. If you'll do the first one for free and I like it, I'll then engage with you. Absolutely. Nine I times out of 10, they'll say, no, we don't do anything for free. That's the mistake to it me. Is. Do things for free at the start. It doesn't devalue you or your brand. No, it doesn't. Well, it's also, it's just how you get in with businesses. Yeah, and, and build trust and build uh, relationships. And as a young image maker, if you approach businesses and more senior individuals that you can see have a good business, yeah. you know, for them to pay you two, three hundred pounds a day for content is not a big deal for yeah. them, yeah. but it's a massive deal for you. And all you need is two or three of those to keep you, to give you a day's work a month. Yeah. And suddenly you're, you're on your way, right? Yeah. 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 It's about, it's a getting out of your restrictive box. And I guess at the start, though, working out who you want to be, you knew your vision was Mario Testino, for example, who I love, absolutely love, um, versus someone who wants to be, you know, the world's best wedding photographer or yeah. a landscape photographer or something else. So first of yeah. all, work out who you want to be, yeah. really, although that may change. It can and change then, a little. Um, but there is no doubt that a clear vision and a clear um, sort of area yeah. there, you know, there are so many different areas, right? Yeah. Even in accounting, there's different areas. In sure. being a lawyer, there's different areas. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's still life photography or imagery. There's food. Yeah. There's um, beauty. And then there's even people who are more here. And there's wedding and there's events. Yeah. and. Um, is carving out a clear identity. And then you can approach people very clearly with a solution. Mm. Yeah. And it's much easier to market someone in a niche than it is to be yeah. everything to everyone. Well, you just can't be. Mm. And I think one of the things that's really confusing now is that um, the younger generation have so much choice. Yeah. 
And there are so many opportunities that almost it feels limiting to narrow yourself down, but that's the only way you're going to get through that stage. Yeah, I think in business, you have to go small. And so we went, initially when we started Grow Factor, we were just for creatives. Yeah. Then we added in health and fitness, just because I enjoy, well, we both enjoy exercising and staying fit. Now we created mini businesses within Grow Factor that have a senior accountant for each. So we work within eight, I think, niches. But you can't do that at the start when you're just one person. You have to go small first. And then if you want to, because we like the variety of the work and there are different rewarding things to do as an accountant with an e-commerce business that's done 2 million in its first year and the systems are all over the place versus a creative, someone like yourself that doesn't have complex needs but really wants to understand their numbers and make sure that they're investing their money in the right place. Their needs will be different. So as an accountant, it gives you a bit bit of variety. But yeah, you have to go niche and either stay niche or expand after in order to scale up further yeah. whereas uh, and uh, i've sort of you know my business relies on me without a doubt yeah you know and i've sometimes thought about ways of expanding that and you know there 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 are ways that i could expand and take a step back mm. you know and provide maybe portrait solutions for corporates yeah. and it hire other photographers but i i've i'm i've just chosen to stay in my lane and yeah. concentrate and realize that my business can't grow exponentially. Yeah. You know, I can get bigger jobs and bigger businesses as but clients. But you have, you have enough, I think. You don't need, you're not materialistic. You don't need more. No, I don't. You could create an online course, partner with someone very, very clever at Facebook and Instagram advertising. And I'm sure yeah. you could make millions of pounds doing that. But if that doesn't align to your vision and you don't need that money, then why create that business? Yeah, and that's, you know, maybe it's one for the future. I've thought about all those things, maybe. Mm. But right now I am hugely busy doing what I love and creating imagery um, rather than doing a podcast or doing an online course or, and maybe that will come in the future. Could be quite nice actually linked to your education piece. Sorry to interrupt you. Kira, my wife, listened to the first episode. She's like, you literally interrupt your guests every two (laughs) minutes. I'm like, yeah, just like our conversations. I think it would be so nice that at a certain point, when you felt like the shoots need to come down a bit for your own energy levels, you would then take all of that knowledge from 10, 20, 30 years of experience and help those people who are just getting started with the fundamentals versus, like you said, going to university for three years and learning from someone that has nowhere near as much knowledge as you do. And I definitely, there's going to be a space in the future where I'll want, I'll want to just take That's it down a notch. People, right? Yeah, and giving, giving back. Yeah. Um, and I do usually have, you know, an intern or a student, um, a lot of, the, most of the time, taking part in the business, coming on shoots. Yeah. Um, so that's always nice. And during COVID, there was um, there was a whole program around um, getting young kids into work, and I took part in that. So yeah. I had three interns through the government as well 
wow. uh, who worked me, with me through those periods. Yeah, super rewarding working with younger people. And yeah. I coach an under nines football team, oh, cool. which is stressful, <laughs> but very rewarding to see the development of them as footballers. But as individuals, you know, they're all from different backgrounds and they will look to you for principles that you give them in football that they can then apply to life. But yeah, working with others is super rewarding. How did you go, just a quick one, how did you go, you're interning, you're working for free to getting that first big job, what you would see as your pivotal job that, that transitioned you, that got you known in the in the photography space? Yeah. Um... Was that through the context that you made while shadowing on jobs, assisting or? You know, one part removed, um, but yes. But but I, I really didn't, I, I don't think of myself as having one job that like was okay. a make or break. Yeah. It, was, it was sort of a real slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first job was for the Mirror magazine, taking a picture of a model um, to do with a, a an article on fear of flying, <laughs> you know, like anything, but it was a model yeah, yeah, in yeah. plain seats. And, and I tried to make it as artistic as I could. Your name goes on the yeah. photo and that and, starts to expand and that, the So that was my, yeah, it was my first job. Uh, and the images looked good. They were really pleased with them. And yeah. then suddenly I was shooting fashion spreads for that magazine yeah. with the fashion editor. She's like, oh, I like I like those pictures. Let's yeah. bring you in and do. And then slowly but surely it just expanded. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was doing, you know, I even started doing some makeover stuff. And I was like, oh, that's not for me. But um, it's good. You know, I was just grateful to be working. And at the end of the day, it's all experience, you know, just being on set, being in that position, um, having to take control, learning how to manage a team. And um, so I just kind of said yes to all of it, as long as it was in the kind of area of fashion and beauty. I had sort of narrowed myself down to that. Um, But this thing of just getting out of my comfort zone the whole time was definitely, you know, my my big kind of advice to anybody is mm-hmm. just keep pushing yeah. um, and keep keep tabs on yourself. You know, so when I wasn't working, I was looking for more assisting work. I used to say, I'm going to try and phone 10 photographers a day. And I probably yeah. didn't really make 10, yeah. but just the fact it was a bit unrealistic, but... I'd make six, you know, and within two days of phoning six photographers, I usually had a job. You know, it's amazing what just reaching out rather than doing hiding behind your security blanket. If you just step out, shit happens. Yeah, because you could have just got on with editing something that might take two hours, but you stretch it out into two days because you know you don't have a job. And I think that's what most uh, most people do, to be honest. So terms- go, I'll just work on my folio. Yeah. So and then or my website. Yeah. And you've worked on your website for two weeks and it looks lovely, but you haven't reached it's about you know, actively reaching out to opportunities, isn't so it? So in terms of photographers or creatives that are at that earlier stage, we talk about businesses being able to attract, convert, and deliver to clients. Yeah. I think the delivery aspect you will have learned through observation and then practical application on the first jobs. The conversion is you speak to potential clients, right? And they see your work. So that's a human conversation. It's not 
a sales call or an online page funnel or things like that. It's a normal human conversation. So in terms of attracting clients, I'm getting that at the early stages, you're building up a network by being on shoots anyway, because you're going to be speaking to people. You're then working for people like The Mirror, embracing that, like we spoke about at the start, doing your absolute best work and not thinking, oh, it's The Mirror. I want to be shooting for Vogue and just having a bad attitude. You then, that leads to another opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity. But in between the opportunities, you've worked out that if I phone a photographer and I go and assist, I make even more contacts. And if I'm keeping in touch with these contacts in between, whether that's sending emails, sending quick text messages, sending a picture, nowadays it would be commenting on a social media post, just staying in their world when they need something they'll reach out to you. Is that about right? Or were you proactively saying, have you got any work for me right now? Um, So were you just being on their radar? Do you know what? Um, It's this thing of realizing that human nature, everybody wants reassurance, right? Yeah. So, and it's about what can I do for you? So if you go, have you got any work for me? That's about me, isn't it? That's true. Um, Whereas I love your last campaign. This is something I did and I've got a suggestion for you. How about this? Or I've noticed, I mean, I don't do a lot of social media for clients, but I've noticed that, you know, you could take some of your campaign imagery and make some great reels. Yeah, and I love that we because I always respond to those. I always yes. respond and to those also, emails. Yes, and as an assistant, you know, as an assistant um, contacting photographers, yeah. I would look up their work and I go, I love your work. Uh, I love specifically this and this and this. So I'm, a, I'm, research, a, right? I'm an aspiring photographer. Yeah. I would love to help you on your shoots. Yeah. Um, not... I would like to learn how to do your lighting. Yeah, what's good for me? What's, it's not about me, it's about you. And that's so, just phraseology. Right? It really is, but it's psychology is everything, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I love what you do. You're brilliant. I can help you. Not, I haven't got any work. I want to do what you do. Can you help me? Kind of it's right. kind of different. If growth, <laughs> yeah. It, I, no, it's totally different. It's the same thing, but it's totally different. It's like growth factor... If we didn't know each other, approaching you and saying, like, I love what you do. We're a bespoke firm. We only want to take on, you know, the best people in their industry. If you ever need anything, any help with X, Y, and Z, I'd love to be part of your journey. Also, I've got this thing that you can have that's of value, whatever it is, and just have it. As a put, and there you go. It's almost like planting seeds, which is what you did, which is why we people. worked together. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, you could be, which most people would be. Here's an advert that's in your face, or like you said, I really need this right now. Are you interested? Or it's even like, oh, look what I've done. Yeah. And now, Do you know what? On LinkedIn, you know, my I, work is so great. Now yeah. you should hire me. I'm not mentioning which, any names again, which, but. Like, it does work if you're really big, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you're just posting updates. But not if you're aspiring. Updates. Not if you're, yeah. And I see the difference in content nowadays with people who are doing really well that I know, but every single LinkedIn update is about their success. Yeah. There's no value in the content whatsoever. Whereas I think that 
it should almost be the opposite. There should be value being added through content and the odd one or two gives a nod to something you've achieved that you're proud of. Yeah. As opposed to daily posts about about your achievements. But Well, it's the self it's the selfie kind of area versus the sharing, right? Yeah. Isn't that what social media was supposed to be? To support each other and uplift each other. Yeah, which and- comes back to an approach of love, right? Yeah. Like I did a quick video, I'm gonna do a full video on it actually, on how I set the podcast room up worked it out myself, you know, did it in the dining room, did the lighting, do the bits, do all of this equipment list, things like that, because it might be useful for people to not have to go through two years of banging out against the wall like (laughs) I did before I filmed my first episode. What does your routine look like now? So you've, how old are your kids? Uh, 12 and 14. Okay, so mine are eight and seven, so they're a bit further along, a bit more self-sufficient. What does your routine look like now? And has that kind of differed from, from the early days? I know that well, I think you still do CrossFit. I'm not sure if you're still doing functional fitness. I do. Or I do a lot of fitness. I haven't done okay. CrossFit just lately. Okay. But yeah, I stopped doing CrossFit. Started doing bodybuilding again because I realised my authentic self is just a vain person, and I like to look at myself in the mirror. So once I like was at peace with that, yeah. I'm a bodybuilder at heart. I've always <laughs> been a bodybuilder, so I've stopped CrossFit and I just do bodybuilding with a bit of fitness for my. Yeah. Longevity. Well, well, exactly. And I now do dancing and yoga oh, and yeah. running and a bit of weights. Yeah. I, and I, I thought just CrossFit was just a little bit too, like, two-dimensional. And yeah. I was starting to get injured. Yeah, me too. Um, because it's very, the onset energy of CrossFit is very, like, push, push, push. Mm. And I was finding it difficult to just sort of listen to myself. Yeah, because you're always trying to beat your last time or beat the person yes. in the class or whatever. And actually, be. fitness for me is now more about just enjoy again, just joy, bringing the joy. Do what you enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that helps? You know, as I get older, I found I had a period of time where I found like I couldn't focus as long and my energy levels were a bit low. Um, so I did various things to kind of bring that back up and now I feel great. What do you do to make sure that you're still at your peak and you're still executing in the way that you did yeah. 10 years ago as you um, as you get older. Meditation okay. for me is in like a non-negotiable yeah. everyday thing, even if it's just five minutes. For clear thinking or energy? Or, um, for all of you? it. Okay. I think it transforms everything. Do you use an app or do you just... I used to and now I just do it myself. My journey has been that I realized meditation just calmed everything down and gave me more room to see, you know, to watch my own behavior. I think that for me is what meditation is. It gives you power to look at your emotions and then have perspective on it. So you stop being so reactive. So then when you're feeling really insecure, you can go, okay, so it's just a feeling. Um, And again, you sort of step away from it. Um, and I used to use the 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 kind of voice ones where they talk to you because like I didn't think I could space and calm yes, and things because like I didn't that. think yeah. I could do it on my own. But then as I've done more and more, it's about just listening to me. And now, um, like with with every with my exercise with everything, it's about just a gentle empathy for myself yep. and what people do you feel around like me. Doing? And, yeah. Because um, you don't have a wearable or anything like that. So you're just well, listening to your body, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I do have a, I have a very simple step counter that okay. sometimes, but no, you can, I just think you can get too caught up in the external stats. Yeah. And the, but I do think 
you know, being healthy, and I, I'm a believer in science and tracking things, by the way. Yeah. I think if you want to lose weight, for example, yeah. not that I'm an expert in that, but the only thing for me that works if I'm feeling a bit heavy is to start tracking my food because yeah. you get, you know, you just get clarity on it, right? And again, with the emotions, I think it's important to track stuff. Yeah. And, and so there's... You know, as much as I love a philosophical point and a gut feel, mm. and that's why it's complicated because it's like the logical mind on one side and the creative mind, and it's a blend of the two. Yeah, I think you have to have discipline to have freedom. So like yes, with your finances, you you've got to have, that's not my quote, by the way. I no, that was from, very good. From jo Jocko <laughs> Willink. He's yeah. an ex-SAS guy. I love that, discipline equals freedom. So like from your business... You have to have, in my opinion, weekly bookkeeping, online accounting, yes. your numbers up to date because you can tick the box of, okay, I know I've got someone else looking at this. My balances, all of my key performance indicators are all in the green. So I can be free to just express myself and whatever I want to do. If you wanted to invest in a project, how are you going to know whether you've got the capital to spend on that project without referencing your up-to-date financials and speaking to your accountant? which you can do being a growth factor client. So you have to have some discipline over here yeah. to create some freedom over exactly. here. I, like I like the Whoop because it, it gives me, so I, the main reason I used it is to optimize my sleep routine. So I now know the exact dosage of CBD oil, which will enhance my REM sleep, oh. what time to go to yeah. sleep. I don't peak, I just set it to perform because peak it wants yeah. me to sleep like 10 hours a night. Who's got time for that? So I just set it to perform. Not necessary. But various, yeah, not necessary. <laughs> but various other things, it's helped. But I went on a stag do recently. I left it at home because I know it's going to say three percent recovered, and I just don't want to. I, I can understand that when I wake up and I feel hungover. I don't need a whoop to tell me. So no, I think there's a balance, exactly. Right? Well, exactly, and it's a choice. Um, but just going back to bookkeeping as well. So. Although you guys send me, you know, Grow Factor sends me an email every Friday, which is brilliant about who I owe money to and what I do. Um, I know I try and pay most of my own invoices myself. And yeah. that takes me half an hour a week. Yeah. But I know that if I have to dip in there and pay my own invoices, it means that I'm looking at my accounts every week. Yes, yeah, so And I, I've habit, got a sort right? of like ownership You can over have a quick it. look over zero, have a yes. look at your cash balances, yeah. have a look at your profit and loss, things yeah. like that. Whereas if I, I know that if I didn't do that, it would be yeah. a month and then I'd look at it and yeah. it just keeps me accountable. Yeah, it's a nice habit, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think like with you, your business isn't one way you need a really complex sales and marketing dashboard. It's all built on relationships. You need yeah. to just understand cash balances. What's the overall trend? Have I got enough in each account? If I want to do something, how much can I spend on that? Have I got access to an accountant to be able to ask that question? Without, I think a lot of the time when, when I first started the business, I tried to enforce real complexities on clients that don't necessarily need it. You don't need a really detailed budget and financial plan. You just need to understand the actual financial performance, yeah. what the trends are like. And I was listening to Stephen Bartlett recently do a talk, and he said with all of the businesses that he looks at, he's less interested in the monthly management accounts. He's more interested in the gradient of the lines and where that means they'll end up in the future, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Anyway, back on track. No, but it's interesting with my accounts because, you know, as... 
it it goes up and down hugely. Yeah, so how, that's one of my questions. How do you manage cash flow in that you'll get paid for a big job, but you may not have another bigger classified job for a few months? Yeah. How have you developed a system to manage cash? Um, I don't know if I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I try and enforce the 30-term payment. Um, and then, no, if it's really big jobs, we do a 50% upfront. Yeah. So that helps with the, but not all clients want to. Well, how, but how do you make sure that, um, not necessarily getting paid on time, but say you had 100K come into your bank yeah. account. How do you make sure that you don't, you know, spend all of that on time and kind of try and think, well, another job will roughly come in in three months. So yeah. I can spend X amount. That could be quite difficult sometimes. Uh, I've, I've got quite low outgoings yeah. and then I've got one um, employee yeah. and I just leave a really good buffer in there. Yeah, um, uh, and then also the knowledge of looking back at every year on my accounts, yeah. it's unbelievably consistent. Yeah. Um, so when I'm slightly emotionally freaking out during the summer, yeah. September, October, always get busy again. Yeah. And now I just sit there with that knowledge. Is yeah, that and you've been going thing? for so many years and you've got yeah. all that historic data in your online accounting system. Yeah. You can literally, which I was going to say, but you said it, which means we've trained yeah. you well. <laughs> you can go back. If you think your business actually a lot of the time is really up and down, actually, if you go back and run historical financial reports year to year, you'll see that it's relatively consistent, which means yeah. if you look at the past, you can predict the future. Yes. If you're, you've got the same network, you are executing the same behaviors, you're doing the same business development, marketing, sales conversations, likely the same things will happen. So that has, so looking back on my last five years, every year has been very consistent. It's got a little bit growth, which yeah. has been great, apart from COVID. Yeah. So like with everybody else, things got really, really crash and burn for about three, four months. However, with that, I tried not to panic and I create, I managed to create a home studio solution I'm for clients this, when every all the studios were shut. Yeah. And um I, it got me busy. Yeah. And just again, what are what are the so I'd contact online, you know, supermarkets were booming, yeah. online clothing brands were booming, and they didn't have anybody to shoot. So no, because yeah, all the studios were closed. Yeah, yeah. So um, I managed to find a few new clients that needed just that interim. Yeah. And it wasn't stuff I normally did. I did some e-com. You know, it wasn't what I do, but yeah, but people needed it. And yeah. it kept my it kept my numbers, you know, survived. And so many people just put their tools down and said, well, there's nothing I can do. What I can do is go and get a loan from the government, which is yeah. fine if you need that. But you're not executing on anything else at that time. You're just then in a debt burden, which you've not yeah. created any additional income during the period. Yeah, Be resourceful. Yeah. Um, how do you have a spreadsheet or things like that to keep track of relationships, leads? So how what's your system, which I find really just interesting for my own knowledge? Yeah. You've built all these different relationships. You've got hundreds of historic clients. Yeah. Do you have a system to keep on their radar, keep in touch with them? And if someone said, oh, I might need some work in June, where? how do you record that? How do you keep track of things? And how do you, so do you have a CRM? Do you have a spreadsheet? I have a database. Okay. I use um, a software system called Daylight, okay. which is a kind of client software system for very good for creative companies. 
and I have all my present, past, and potential clients that we've managed to get yeah. um, details for in there. And we also run, so I'll have that. And if they have, you know, we try, I have an employee, a full-time employee, Holly. So yeah. when she's not producing, she's helping with marketing. Yeah. Um, and we we reach out via LinkedIn as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. We use LinkedIn Sales Navigator, I think, yeah. where yeah. you can you can then look at the competition, look at clients creating campaigns. Yeah. And you can, I can find the creatives there sometimes yeah. on LinkedIn and we can send them a personal email. Yeah. So we do personal marketing for key key people in yeah. different companies. Um, every sort of four to six weeks, haven't done it for a while because I've been very busy, we send out a MailChimp updating clients with recent campaigns with just list, yeah. to kind of let them know so anyone what that's we've ever worked to, with you yeah stays they on will the list get, and that's how they'll yeah. stay in touch and then using the daylight when i when i get quiet i will phone up people to say hi yeah which is nice though it's like <laughs> yeah just to have a normal conversation with someone and you don't know where that might lead. Yeah, or send them a quick email. And it's just about keeping on people's radar. And again, it's that thing of a lot of people say, oh, I emailed them, they didn't email me back. You know, it's realizing that people are busy. Yeah, it's not about that, it's awareness, right? No, and even if you've emailed them and they haven't emailed you back, they've often seen it and they're just there. And sometimes I'll be going, oh, I emailed them six months ago and Mm. suddenly... Now they've got in touch. Yeah, I've had clients that said, literally, I got an email two years ago about the fact you can send your kids to private school and pay for it through a trust. Um, And I I just wanted to get in touch and see if you could set that up for us. And I'm like, it's two years ago. So, yeah, keeping in touch and consistency. I listened a lot to Gary V recently about this, about putting out consistent content on a regular basis and just then letting it build. And 99.9% of people will give up after a week, after a few months, because they're not getting anything back. And it just takes time. And then you'll start, all these inquiries will start to come through. Well, I think often people give up just as they're about to break through as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most difficult time in any business, not just marketing, is where you're about to make a breakthrough is where you're literally banging your head against the wall the hardest. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, what's been your favorite ever shoot? Oh, um, I always say it's one I haven't done yet. <laughs> but, you know, amazing moments spring to mind, like um, shooting on a hotel rooftop in Rio, overlooking Copacabana Beach. Wow, yeah. And um, I was in Ibiza last month, actually, at an amazing hotel. Um which is just like Art Deco. It was just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And, I, and, and you know, some of the celebrities that I've got to, I was the official BAFTA photographer uh, for the TV Awards last year. And just being there and being able to take pictures of Jodie Comer and, you know, Martin Freeman and all these incredible yeah. um, celebrities is, feels special and is such a privilege. Yeah, and to meet those people. And I get to meet uh, a lot of footballers living around here. And then I realized they're just normal, really nice people. Interesting, though. So it's nice to meet them. And uh, I I love the working with celebrities and just approaching them on that human level. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of celebrities get used to people not treating them normally because they get so starstruck. Yeah. Um, And 
it's nice to have that connection. Yeah, they probably appreciate it as well. Slightly different level, but I was uh, on this stag do watching Aston Villa because football is life and I'm obsessed by football. <laughs> and there were two girls, ladies, sat behind me who I started talking to. And then I found out that one of them um, has played for England and is the Aston Villa ladies' captain, which I didn't know. And then proceeded to, I said, are you all right? If I ask you questions about football, you probably don't want to talk about football. And she's like, no, I love talking about football. That's why I'm a footballer. Mm -hmm. So for 45 minutes, I spoke to her about football, my kids' football, how they could enjoy it more, how I could progress as a coach and all these other things. Now she's followed me on Instagram. I'm hopefully uh, going to get her on the podcast. And just these normal conversations awesome. with people and you just don't know where that's going to lead. Yeah. But getting back to our underlying point on this podcast, probably, if I'd have been too shy to turn around and speak to them about what do you do and, you know, make that conversation, start that conversation, that that would have nothing would have ever happened. No. And that's where, you know, coming back to inspiration, yeah. you know, I think so many of so many of us hold ourselves back. Yeah. And if you can just act on I think if we all just acted on those moments, we go, yeah. I should talk to that person yeah. or I should send that person an email rather than, oh, no, you know, like, oh, um, I can't do that. Yeah. Or if you just shut down that voice and just take positive action that you're being told to take the whole time anyway, mm -hmm. your life just transforms, I think. And that's where business success lies in many ways. Yeah, that's the key. Um, do you think that, you had that before, or we've both been involved with Tony Robbins to different degrees, and that's how we met. Do you think that, because the biggest thing I took from Tony is your mindset and your state will affect your behavior and your decisions, and the critical piece in success in anything is how you approach it, in what state do you approach things? I think I've just always been interested in that. And yeah. I really believe in that. Yeah. And that's why I dipped into Tony and some of his teachings. And I learned a lot. And I, again, now I've sort of moved through it. And I'm like, I'm about listening to me yeah. and putting what works for me in place. Yeah. Uh, but that's a confidence thing, right? And I think my journey, looking at my journey, um, I needed that mentorship for a while just to get some you know, ground rules around it and learn how to think. Yeah and learn perspective and discipline yeah. within my creative, you know, as in creative industries, you, you, need, you need structure as well. And I think that's where a lot of creatives fall over because to be a successful creative, you, you need to embrace the structure. And learn as, business skills and partner and you with do. the right people, right? Yeah, or, and the things that you can't do, find somebody to do it with you. Yeah. You know, because we all need promotion we all need to reach out. And if you can't do it, then get some help doing it. Yeah. You've been a growth factor client now for a good few years, I'd yeah. say. Eight. What's been your experience? I, I would normally ask what's your experience in relation to your previous accountant, but you probably don't remember your previous accountant. Why did you come to growth factor in the first place? And what's been your experience? And would you recommend us to other creative professionals so my experience before go fat the reason i uh, i met you um yeah about nine years ago or something is it that long um god knows but i met you at a tony robbins event yeah. and i just uh, at that point i felt i didn't have clarity over my numbers so when i spoke to you i just felt like 
oh, we could get a system where I can see what's going on and I can have ownership of that. I just yeah. felt like I always passed it over to the accountant. I didn't know what, what was going on. Yeah. And I could just see that clarity was going to happen for me by using you guys. And it's exactly what you've given me. You know, I can go on my zero yeah. and I see it and you send me my weekly summary, who my creditors are, who I need to pay, yeah. what my income is. I also now get a monthly uh, breakdown of how much tax I'm going to have to be paying. So and away, it's yeah. just super useful. Yeah. Um, and I'm starting to gain my financial confidence as a result of that, yeah. which I didn't have before, by the way. I just felt like it was something I couldn't do. I couldn't understand. And um, I absolutely would recommend you. You've done an amazing job for me. Thank you very much. I didn't prompt the answer to that one, so <laughs> never know which way that's going to go. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap things up. I'm conscious of time. I just always want to ask this question. So this podcast is inspirational, but then also there's always a practical element. I know what one of these three keys is going to be already, and we've said it about 10 times, but for a creative, for a photographer specifically, if you had three keys to success to give them, just short, sharp, yeah. what would they be? They can be repetition of what we've discussed, right? It doesn't have to be yeah. three new unique things. So act on what inspires you. Yeah. Learn from people who are making it in the industry that yeah. you want to go into. Yeah. Um, and tell your future clients um, how you can help them. Yeah. Find yeah. solutions for your future clients. Where... Can people find you online? They can find me on Instagram yep. at Elizabeth Hoff Photo. That's okay. Elizabeth with an S, not a Z. <laughs> and my website, elizabethhoff.com. Thank you so much for coming down. I love the conversation. We went in loads of different places, which I would have never expected. It's been so, so interesting. And for me, one of the reasons I love doing these podcasts is I'm learning from you. I'm inspired now uh, and I think I've got a lot more clarity for myself. So hopefully you guys either watching or listening feel the same. It's a special, special episode. So thanks for coming down and uh, yeah, we'll wrap up here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.